Welcome back to The Boma, a podcast from the International Livestock Research Institute, where we discuss livestock issues that impact the global south. I'm your host, Tim Ofeado. This is the second of a two-part series looking at how Ulri scientists are working with farmers to adapt to and mitigate climate change in the global south. Last episode, we talked about climate adaptation and heard stories about the social changes that climate change is causing as the dairy sector grows. Today, we are talking about climate mitigation. What is it and why should countries in the global south care? So mitigation is just simply trying to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions from any activity um, because greenhouse gas emissions are what drive global warming, now, methane in particular. That's Polly Erickson, program leader of the Sustainable Livestock Systems Group at Ilri. And there are a number of sources of greenhouse gases. For example, transportation, uh, fossil fuels, those are, those are some of the really big ones, uh, particularly for heavily industrialized countries. Like the United States, United Kingdom, or China. But for countries um, that are still on a path to, um, to economic development, um, agriculture um, is, is, a, is, a, is a very, very important econ- economic sector. Um, and agriculture also is a source of greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and that can be from, um, from cutting down trees, plowing up soils, releasing st- previously stored carbon into the air. It can come from using chemical fertilizers on soils and can very importantly come from livestock production in a couple of ways. First is that when, when, when ruminants digest, they emit methane. It's a gas that is, is involved in their digestion process and they will always emit methane. Um, they also, um, the manure that they, that they produce, as well as their urine, also contains other kinds of gases, um, mostly nitrous, nitrous oxide, um, which is also quite a potent um, greenhouse gas as well. So the concern comes that although total emissions from livestock production in, in, in sub-Saharan Africa is not as high as it, as it is in, in some very industrialized systems, the emissions intensities are very, very high. And that's a concern because the livestock, um, livestock sector in, in Africa and Asia is on a growth trajectory. So what do I mean by emissions intensities? I mean the, 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 the CO2 equivalent per unit uh, uh, of output. Most often we calculate that as per kilogram of protein per, ki- per, per liter of milk. So if your emissions intensities are very high, it's not good because as you get more and more and more animals, you're going to have lots, you're going to have bigger herds with very um, high emissions intensities, which could lead to quite dramatic overall increases in emissions. According to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, emissions intensities in sub-Saharan Africa are around 70 kilograms of carbon dioxide per kilogram of animal weight. That number is more than double the emissions intensities in North America, where it's at 30 kilograms of carbon dioxide per kilogram of animal weight. Interestingly, Sub-Saharan Africa produces the least amount of global emissions of greenhouse gases, accountable for a mere 7%. However, 
The large difference in emissions intensities has caused many to worry about a growing livestock population. One of the reasons for this gap? The lack of high quality feed. So the key reason for the differences in emissions between North American systems and African systems is the quality of the food. Okay, so the quality of the feed in many East African systems is not that great. Yeah, they don't have all this corn silage, um, high concentrate um, feeds. They spend a lot of time digesting low quality grasses, crop residues. Um, For much of the year, they don't even have enough to keep their body at, at what we call maintenance weight. So they're so they're wandering around losing weight, but still emitting methane. Um, So, yeah, so it's the feeds, it's the feeds, it's the feeds. For a long time, the world wasn't focused on the dairy systems of the global south, let alone how much methane they produced. So the reason that the ILRI agenda initially focused on mitigation was um, the uproar over uh, that started with Livestock's Long Shadow published in 2006, where the FAO and others really said, hey, look, the emissions from the livestock sector are more than we thought. Um, And that's both direct emissions from digestion and manure production, but also indirect from land use change. Livestock also gets a lot of criticism for um, for being um, a a major driver of of deforestation and and land use change and and land and land degradation. And so uh, people felt and donors still feel that you can't really talk about adaptation in the livestock sector unless you are proactively dealing with the mitigation side. Yeah, that's still a very, very, very strong narrative. The pressure from the international community led to a series of initiatives at ILRI to understand how much methane, nitrous oxide, or carbon dioxide was released from a typical farming system, culminating in Mazangira, a world-class research station dedicated to climate mitigation work. So Mazangira, it means environment in Kiswahili. Um, which is the main language um, in in Kenya and Tanzania. It's an investment that um, the International Livestock Research Institute made starting in about twenty late twenty thirteen early twenty fourteen um, uh, for a couple of reasons. First was um, that pr- prior to that, Ilri had um, some scientists at Ilri, namely Mario Herrero, Philip Thornton. Um, and a couple of their collaborators had made an effort to improve the estimates of um, greenhouse gas emissions and emissions intensities from livestock production systems across um, the global south, but still largely using model-based results. The important point that they were making um, in their model-based work was that there's a tremendous heterogeneity of types of livestock production systems across Africa, Asia, Latin America. And it's very misleading to assume that um, all livestock production systems behave the way that highly intensive systems in, let's say, Europe or North America or or Australia do. Mazangira has helped Ilri support national governments by quantifying the amount of greenhouse gas emissions in agricultural systems. Countries in sub-Saharan Africa need access to good data to be able to tell the international community what the story of climate change is in their country. But as we learned last episode, focusing on greenhouse gas emissions doesn't capture the full picture of what's happening with climate change. You can't talk to local farmers about greenhouse gases. That's Klaus Butterbach-Ball, a geochemist working with Ilri at Mazingira. 
but to be locally and regionally of influence, you need to think about how you improve the feed basis. And by this one, we were also interested, okay, if you improve the feed basis and, and change systems, what is it finally, what does this mean with regard to how much greenhouse gases are emitted from these systems? So you try to find a way to optimize how much greenhouse gases are emitted per product. So which means emitted per liter of milk you produce or per kilogram of meat you produce or whatever. And so you always need to look into strategies to increase the income of the local farmers, while at the same time, without that they're really getting aware of that one, because it's a rather complex topic if you talk about climate change and greenhouse gases, and how much they may contribute to that one. You also try to quantify what it means if you would do it at large scale, which means Mazingira and, and all that was always working as well on the production side. Klaus told me how scientists at Mazingira are gathering data on greenhouse gas emissions and helping farmers increase their productivity and income. For example, the Mazingira has so-called respiration chamber. So it's more or less a closed room where you put an animal in, it gets, gets its feet, and then we measure how the concentration of gases changes from the inlet, from the fresh air coming in, to the outlet. And from that one, we get total emissions of this cow or whatever, a sheep. So from this, so you get that one. And then you put this number, what you get in relationship to what this animal is producing. So of course, the animal continues to produce milk, six liters of milk, 10 liters of milk, depending on how well it's fed. And, and the same is finally how much weight it gains. So which means you have a measurements for the greenhouse gas and you have a measurements for the productivity. And you bring both together finally to get to the number which I was saying, okay, kilogram CO2 emitted per kilogram of milk produced. So this is something else. So which means you do different measurements and that's as well why we can talk to farmers because we know how to produce. But the laboratory isn't the only place that scientists measure greenhouse gases. The actual laboratory-based measurements is not the, even the biggest part of what we do. A lot of the, the work to improve emissions factors to, um, involves doing um, what we call activity data collection, which is very intensive field work out on actual farmers' fields, following their, them and their cows around, asking them lots of questions about how they manage their cows, taking very detailed records of what they feed their cows, weighing their cows, um, and you need to do this over a whole year because with the um, bimodal distri uh, rainfall distribution that we have in much of East Africa, you've got tremendous, tremendous seasonal variability in feed avail availability and feed quality. Visiting farmers and talking to them about their growing conditions is revealing a lot about the impacts of climate change. In most parts of Kenya, you have two rainy seasons. Okay, we have the short rains and the long rains. And what we see in the moment with climate change happening, they are not coming regularly as before. So you put your crop out, you're a maize farmer, and your maize needs 100 days to come to maturity. If there's no rain in between a longer drought period, like two weeks, the crop is dead. And with that one, you also lose the feed for your animals. Sometimes you get too much rain, everything is flooded. 
So, and then you can see the flooded fields and you see that the maze is, is dying from that one as well because it's got flooded. And the same is for any feed production. So that's how climate change is affecting it on the one hand. It affects the delivery of the feed to the, to the livestock and how much feed is available in the season. As Polly said at the opening of this episode, climate change mitigation is about reducing greenhouse gas emissions. But as both Polly and Klaus have told us, the climate is already changing and farmers need help adapting to what could be a new normal. Because even though we focus on the, the terrible carbon footprint of livestock, the, the, the greenhouse gas footprint of sub-Saharan Africa is still minuscule compared to that of, let's say, the United States. So um, it's a bit of hypocrisy that we're, we're, we're requiring c- countries across Africa to actually even have greenhouse gas uh, mitigation targets at all. But educating donors and other agencies is necessary work. And I could, I could give you examples of conversations I have with donors who say it's very hard for us to fund livestock development because of the extremely negative perception on the part of policymakers and consumers. Livestock are carbon-emitting food. They're bad for the environment. So Ilri has spent a lot of time demonstrating that we can reduce the carbon footprint of livestock. Ilri's partners can use greenhouse gas emissions data to get more funding for climate mitigation and adaptation work. Some savvy people um, uh, in livestock departments that we work with realize that if they want to attract climate finance, that's a way of stimulating investment in the livestock sector that will also have side benefits of improving productivity. Because just about anything that you do to reduce greenhouse gas emissions intensities for livestock will improve their productivity, productivity, which is a win-win because that's what farmers care about, right? They want to have more productive animals so that they can earn more money and produce more food. To say it's complex seems a tad underwhelming. But the story of climate change mitigation in terms of attempting to reduce emissions is not straightforward. Reducing emissions is good and necessary work. But the conversations with Polly Erickson and Klaus Butterbuck-Ball have shown that helping farmers adapt to climate change and increasing their productivity should be the most urgent development agenda. Farmers are already forming farming cooperatives and working together to manage livestock foraging on crop residues. These synergies are great and along with other low emission development strategies can help to reduce emissions. Over the course of these two episodes, Todd Crane, Esther Kihoro, Klaus Butterbach-Ball, Renee Bullock, and Polly Erickson have taught me this. Climate adaptation is an effective climate mitigation strategy. Keep joining us at the BOMA, where we will continue to bring you more stories from the lab, desk, and field. Visit illery.org to learn more about climate change and how researchers and scientists are supporting the world's livestock people. Don't forget to subscribe to the BOMA on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.